far too often we're like, oh, I'm not going to get involved there or I'm not going to be busy with that or I don't want to be involved there. It's not my like, you know, I'm just going to stay out of this. It's none of my business. Where in fact, we really are meant to help assist every single being we come across with in really powerful ways. There are no unimportant times. Every person, every situation that I find myself in, there's something for me to do. It can be something tiny, but who knows what type of impact. Welcome to the Spiritually Hungry Podcast, episode 65. 65. So glad to be here. So grateful for so many things. Uh, in fact, a week ago, exactly today, I was in a very different situation, which I will share with you folks in just a bit. And that is the impetus, uh, perhaps, for our topic this week. I think most certainly. So first, I want to ask all of our listeners, when was the last time someone came into your life, it could be a complete stranger and profoundly influenced you? Is that person even aware of their influence? And how aware are you of your own influence on others? Today's episode is all about knowing how powerful you are and how far your influence can reach. Before this hour is up, you will have the tools to overpower the thought that what you do doesn't matter. So first, Honey Bunny. Oh. I want to start with a story about lollipops. Good. As long as it's not that girl stuck in there. <laughs> Allison. <laughs> we need to get a pet or adopt a child named Allison. All right. In 2010, Drew Dudley gave his famous everyday leadership TED Talk. Did you see it? Well, people can't hear you when you're No, I, I'm sorry. There you uh, go. No, I, I've not seen it yet in which she challenged his audience to consider how simple yet profound our ability to impact one another is. Drew tells a story of his last day at college when a woman approached him and told him a story of how he influenced her and one actually that he had no memory of at all. And not just influence, but how he changed her life for the better. So she said four years earlier on the first day of school, this young woman, felt out of place. She felt overwhelmed. She felt incapable. And she was resolute on leaving before classes even began. She told her parents, I can't go away to school. I'm not ready. And she really decided she wasn't going to sign up for any of the courses and that she was going back home with them. And Drew came out of one of the students' buildings, right? So she was in line to, to drop out or withdraw. And he was dressed ridiculously. And this is in her own words. He wore the stupidest hat she'd ever seen. And he was holding a sign about a charity of supporting some, I think it was for cystic fibrosis, but he's holding the sign and he's walking around as all of these new students, incoming freshmen are in line. And also he was carrying a bunch of lollipops and he headed towards this woman, directly towards her. And he turned to the young man standing next to her and he urged this man to offer this woman a lollipop. He said, oh, you know, give this, this, nice, this nice woman, this beautiful woman a lollipop. And the guy was literally so embarrassed. He didn't even look up. He's bright red and he just hands her the lollipop, right? And then Drew proceeds to make this joke to the woman's parents. He said, look at your daughter, first day away from home and already she's taking candy from strangers. So I think it's cute. So everybody starts laughing. They think he's hilarious. But years later, right, she, he's about to leave school and she catches up with him and she shared this moment. And she said to him that it shifted everything for her, that the laughter eased her nerves, that she suddenly felt at home. And she knew in that moment that she could actually go away to school, that she was ready and prepared. And more than that, she's still dating the shy man in the line <laughs> that Drew teased. And years later, Drew ended up being invited to their wedding. Ah, that's so sweet. So 
such a simple example, right? Kind of silly in some ways, but look at the impact that Drew had on this stranger's life, right? One that he didn't even recall. He did not remember that day. And when she even reminded him of it, it was like a random day, right? Probably how many days did he walk around passing out lollipops for this charity, right? Here's the ticker. This inspired a new realization for him. And it's what he calls a lollipop moment. And that is a moment when someone said or did something that you feel made your life fundamentally better. And I think the interesting thing about this, it's those times I think we've all had where I've influenced people, you've influenced people, and we're not even aware of it. And that could be used in a positive or a negative, right? Which is the power of our influence, the power of one. And you actually brought this up at a speech you gave at the beginning of September where you said, you know, it took one person to start the coronavirus, right? So we never really like, I think we underestimate that. We tend to make a big deal of these big things that are huge that very few people are able or capable of doing. And we applaud that. We talk about that. But we don't talk about these little ways where we influence each other's lives for better or for worse. So... And he went on, Drew went on to say, and I thought this was really powerful. We celebrate birthdays where all you have to do is not die for 365 (laughs) days. (laughs) I like Drew. I think I want to meet him. And yet we let people. Dudley. Dudley. And yet we let people who have made our lives better walk around without knowing it. So powerful. And every one of you has been responsible for a lollipop moment. There's no question. So before I go into how we came to this topic, I'm asking you, Michael, Who in your life has impacted you in a profound way and have you let them know? And I really hope, okay, that you don't go to like Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai or Vashlag or your parents. We know all of that. I really want you to like dig deep, right? Was there like, I don't know, you didn't play soccer when you were a kid, but like, was there- I did actually. What, did you? Yes. The Maccabees? (laughs) (laughs) Was there somebody that, that profoundly influenced you? Profoundly, that's a big word, profoundly. Well, fundamentally, maybe. Because I think it's not even the, it's not the, it's that made you see things completely different. In a positive way or negative way? Well, I wanted positive, but, but, you know, I actually want to hear both. Besides the obvious people, obviously. Besides the people we speak about all the time. (laughs) You want me to go first and we'll come back to you? Okay, go first, yes, but I'll be thinking while you're talking. Are you going to pay attention to what I'm saying while you're thinking? No, (laughs) I won't be able to. You want to let me think? (laughs) Give me, give me a 30 seconds here. Okay. So. Actually, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So I don't know about profoundly, right? That's a big Powerfully, word. Powerfully, maybe. Importantly, right? That's the word I would choose for this. So when my father left this physical world about eight years ago, uh, we were in LA at the time and we, we, he was buried in Israel. So we flew from, from LA to Israel. And we came to Israel and, you know, because my father was, you know, had, had, had such influence on so many people, many people traveled from all over the world to be there for the burial in Israel. And there was one person who came who wasn't, who didn't come for my father. And when he hugged me, he said to me, he said, you know, uh, I said to him, thank you so much for coming. I was surprised that he came. You know, this is somebody who I'm, you know, a very good friend, but I did not expect him to come. He's a very busy person. And he came. And I said to him, I said to him, I said, you know, I'm so appreciate that you came. Why did you come? He says, you know, I believe that when a friend is going through something significant in their lives, you show up. And I thought that was such a powerful statement. And from that moment on, really, I really, I often think about that, you know, whether somebody I know is going through a, a painful time or somebody I know is going through a, a happy time, 
showing up, even if it's you have to travel fifteen hour flight or whatever that takes, it really shifted mm-hmm. my view on the importance. Certainly for friends, you show up, even if it's not comfortable, even if you're too busy to do it. So that, yeah, I have to say that I, I often think about that moment, especially in the times when something comes up. You know, somebody we know or a friend or a student is going through a difficult time, a, a parent passing away. I will often now choose to go even further than I would otherwise, remembering how much it, it meant to me and how much what he said uh, impacted me. I think I know who that is. I'm going to ask you one more often. I think that's beautiful. And yeah. you do. You actually do show up in those ways for people. And and that's the beauty of this, because then we, when we're moved in that way, in that powerful way, we tend to pay it forward yes. because it impacted us so yes. deeply, right? right. Mine is, uh, is from last Tuesday. Um, <laughs> So this Did something is, happened last Tuesday. Oh, yeah, something. <laughs> and thank you for showing up for me. But it started in uh, the beginning of summer when I tore uh, my tendon in my ankle, uh, wear and tear, 30 years of jumping, dancing, running, which, by the way, I wouldn't change a thing. I enjoyed and do enjoy every minute of that. And it's very much part of who I am. And then it was repaired naturally um, with PRP, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, amazing treatment, platelet-rich protein. And they basically take your blood, take the protein out of it, inject it back into the wound or the injury, and it mimics as if it just happened where blood is coming to heal it. And it's your body's way of really repair. It's amazing. And it worked. I got the okay to dance again. uh, And then I tore it within 25 minutes of that. (laughs) Um, So clearly there were other things going on in my body that needed more support to be able to hold that. Um, so it tore again, at this point I was in a boot, right? And and we all were, you know, patient that it's going to, and it, and it was going in that direction of healing again. And then one night uh, I was exhausted, I took my boot off, um, utterly exhausted, and I was going to get changed. So I, I laid down in my closet, which, you know, I do because it relaxes me when I'm that tired. It's rare, but I was just exhausted. So for 20 minutes, I'm just laying down to get the energy to like, okay, I'm going to get dressed, brush my teeth, floss, you know, it's steps, wash your face, put cream on, get into bed. Anyway, by the time I got dressed, I got up. I wasn't thinking. I just got up as I normally would. And I saw my foot stretching and I saw the tend. I could just see, I look like Elastigirl. Like my foot was like, and I'm looking and I'm like, that doesn't look right. I'm like, oh my God. And I feel so much pain all at once. And I tried to throw myself on my other leg only, but I just, I didn't have the strength to do that. And I heard a pop. So cut to. Not um, a good sign. No. And then I really couldn't use the foot very well, but. I heard, um, so anyway, that that's known as, uh, you know, the bone and the tendon separated, which is a uh, ruptured tendon. And uh, after a few MRIs and visiting surgeons, the conclusion was I needed surgery. So, you know, of course, in my mind, it was, you know, what's the right procedure? Who is the right surgeon? What kind of anesthesia do I want? Uh, when should I do this? And then once I resigned myself to the idea that this is actually happening, right, and I need to make a decision, I made all the choices. Then it was like, who will pick Abigail up from school? Who's going to help with the grocery shopping, Me. the cooking, Me. the cleaning? Me. Who's going to wash my hair? Me. Yes, you are a superstar <laughs> husband. And now I know you're fully capable of doing these things on a regular basis. So yes, I will be. When I'm all always. well and good, we have a lot to reorganize here. So because it's a month on crutches, but that wasn't even it. The real epiphany for me happened when, uh, well, two things happened. I got a call from a student. She was having surgery on her 
feet. She did one foot already months ago and she'd do the other one. And for whatever reason, I guess she was more scared this time because she had already experienced the pain of the first one. They, she knew what to anticipate on some Sometimes level. it's better not to know what you're getting into. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, I always say, you know, you forget what, what labor feels like for the most part. You wouldn't go back for, I mean, you really do forget it because it's worthwhile, right? But then with this kind of thing, it's really hard to kind of like, you don't have that euphoric feeling of like, <laughs> yes, you're in pain, you just gave birth, but you're holding this bundle of joy, you know? So um, anyway, she was really nervous and she wanted to talk to me and I, you know, gave her this pep talk, which I fully fundamentally wholeheartedly believed and lived, right? But I wasn't applying that to my own surgery. So when I got off with her, I was like, hey, Monica, you cannot be, you will not be that person. You're not going to be the, the source of strength and reason and certainty and power for other people if you can't do that for yourself. So, so that was the first like wake up call. And then the next day I went to work out because I could still do that with the boot uh, limited, but still, you know, trying to do it. And I was speaking to one of the people I work out with and she was like, I told her what it actually like, happened. <laughs> I didn't mean to cut you off. I mean, you get a lot of complaints about me cutting you off. But uh, uh, you probably exercise more when you're injured than most of us exercise when we're not injured. <laughs> <laughs> that's perhaps true. But I also knew that I wouldn't I'm not sure be that's able. a compliment. <laughs> Just a statement of fact. I was careful, yeah. but I, I needed to get my sweat on. So she said, you know, what's come of your ankle? Because she's seen me in this boot for a while now. And I said, oh, you know, this is what happened. And I have to have surgery. And all I was focused on at that point was, oh, my God, I need surgery. And again, is it the right surgeon? The doubt, all of that, right? And I didn't go to the place of why did this happen? Although I think many do. Because again, I own why it happened. You know, you use something over and over again, it's going to need some kind of repair. And I was okay with it, right? But again, we're complicated beings. We question, you know, why does it have to be pain attached? You know, there's so many different variables. But anyway, she said to me, she she's like, wow, like just like this. She's like, Monica, they can fix it? That's amazing. That's amazing. You mean they can fix it? And I just looked at her and I was like, yeah, yeah, they can fix it. And then I it switched everything. I was like, oh my God, I'm so grateful that there's a solution. And your mom, you know, Karen used to often give this example of a guy, he's like drowning or there's a flood or something. And, you know, there's a raft and then there's a helicopter. There's like three different ways that he could be saved. And he doesn't take any of them. And when he dies and he goes up to heaven, the creator's like, I don't understand. I sent you this and I sent you that. He's like, but why didn't you come and help me yourself, right? Take me in your hand. And in that moment, it was just so clear. So then I went back to the call with the girl, right, that had the foot surgery. And I was like, okay, it doesn't even matter. I mean, of course you want a, a surgeon who is has a good reputation, a good track record, but I want the creator to do the surgery. So I started to envision like light coming into my ankle, the creator's hand repairing it. I took my physical self and the doctor in his physicality and I made it all about energy, right? even to the point where my tendons were like, heal us, like everything was coming together to work in this beautiful, glorious way. So those two things happened, right? In the span of 24 hours, and it changed my entire view of everything and how I approached that. But then the, la the, the thought I had after that, right now I was in a good space, prepped for surgery. I thought, why did I need to hear it from a stranger? Because I thought that was interesting. You know, usually our influence comes from people we really know well, or we really respect for different reasons or family or friends. But often we're like, you know, we want our best friend to just empathize with us. We don't want them to say it's going to be okay. Or we want our husband just to, you know, be also empathetic and, and loving and don't teach me. Right. So I don't know, maybe that's perhaps part of it, but she had the power to get through to me. Maybe because she doesn't know me at all. Not really. 
And so she was just saying what her reaction was and I could hear it in the most beautiful, pure, uncomplicated way because we are really just strangers. So I think that, and I think that's really part of what I wanna say today. I'm not sure where you're gonna go entirely with it, but it's not just our influence and the power of influence, it's the power of influence on just souls, beings, people we come across with in the world because that's everything. And and there's a big purpose in that. Far too often we're like, oh, I'm not gonna get involved there or I'm not gonna be busy with that or I don't wanna be involved there. It's not my like, you know, I'm just gonna stay out of this. It's none of my business. Where in fact, we really are meant to help assist every single being we come across with in really powerful ways. And then what's interesting, I then got an email um, and by the way, I don't even think that this girl knows how she, I have to, I haven't seen her since that conversation. And I'm going to make sure I tell her just how much she influenced me and impacted me and how I've shared it with thousands of people already. But that's the thing that I, I think is so important. But anyway, I got this email because I, I told the story now and somebody heard it and she wrote to me, she said, thanks for this, Monica Berg. I'm so sorry you had to go through all that angst. I'm in about the same place, just received a double diagnosis with further testing to follow. The fear of the unknown gripped me immediately. I helped two others gain understanding for them and yet not for me, LOL. Then there you were in my email, a thousand thank yous, speedy recovery. Do you think it's just so, yeah, so cool? I feel like you've been talking for a really long time. It's your turn. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm entertained. Uh, and also I've been reprimanded by some of our listeners for cutting uh, off um, It's interesting. I, I, I guess the, I have many thoughts. But the first one that comes to mind is, you know, we, we teach us, it's a spiritual truth, that there are no coincidences. And what that really should mean to us as we go through life is that it's not a coincidence that I bumped into somebody going through surgery at the gym. It's not a coincidence that I, you know, heard that my cousin is going through this. Every, you understand that life is purposeful. It means not just purposeful, oh, in the big moments, but every moment is purposeful. Then, even without knowing the effects that you're having, you begin behaving in, in different ways, in ways that are purposeful, that are impactful. And sometimes it will be well received, and sometimes it won't be received, and sometimes it will, will be badly received. But the idea is not so much even the feedback that we get, but it's a different way of living life. I think we naturally give importance to important times and give either zero importance or no importance at, at, at all to, to what we think are unimportant times. But this hopefully shifts our perspective to say there are no unimportant times. Every person, every situation that I find myself in, there's something for me to do. It could be something tiny, but who knows what type of impact. But also we assign when the right time is to hear from somebody like we this happened this week right we went to an appointment it was the first time i left the house in six days and we ran into somebody and i i wasn't expecting to see because i'm also feeling like very protected my leg and like you know we look like as she said two kids teenagers we had baseball caps on like we're incognito not intentionally but anyway we didn't expect to run into her right and my first thought was like oh you know i'm feeling not vulnerable but like you know, it's about, I'm right into like the healing right now, right? And and actually meeting her and speaking with her for an hour while she was also having a treatment done was like the most powerful, inspiring thing. But my first thought, honestly, was like, I really want to talk to her and I actually really want to get to know her more, but not right no. now, right? <laughs> and so, but then I was like, no, this is perfect. And I think that if we, to your point, whenever anybody comes 
into our, we recognize it because we don't always recognize it. So that's like a step even before. But when we recognize and we're like, oh, I'm a little curious, go all the way with it because it's completely divine. And there's something beautiful for both people if you find it. Absolutely. It's interesting because in that same situation, so Monica had a doctor's appointment and I was, uh, because she's on crutches and can't really. My chauffeur. <laughs> your chauffeur, your, my, your, uh, your body cat, whatever you call it, your human. Uh, 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 my slave. Yes, exactly. You're, you're, you're my master for the moment. Um, so, I, so I went I with you. I kind of like that part of this. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and the idea was I was going to drop you off and then I had a few calls that I had to make and I was going to go down to the car or somewhere private, make a few calls and then come up 20 minutes, which is, by the way, you told me it was going to be 20 minutes. Extra, it would have been like an hour and a half. <laughs> anyway, um, but anyway, so we walk into this room and as you sit down, we recognize and... But we didn't even discuss this. We each had our own yeah, 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 reaction yeah, 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 to yeah. it. And my reaction was like, oh no, my plans just went out the window. There's no way, you know. And then we had a very lengthy conversation with somebody who we don't know that well, but we know. And it was both, I think, very beautiful and powerful inspiring. for all three of us yeah. and inspiring for all three of us and but but i have to say after my first thought my second thought was look everything is from the light of the creator i went there too which right, means right which means that there's something here i don't know what it is exactly but you know lean into it completely and because of that we had i think a beautiful hour or so conversation which i think was was impactful in many ways that we know now and we will hopefully will discover later but that's the point like you said exactly so it's not just about the falsehood of assigning, you know, where are the places I get my information, wisdom, direction? It's everywhere and from everybody and, and in every situation. That is so, it really changes the way we live our lives. And again, we're not meant to be perfect and do it at every opportunity, but it, it is such a powerful lesson. And I think if, if every one of our listeners really started living their lives with the understanding that every moment, every situation, whether you, you, asked for it or did not, is there to teach you. You know, it's interesting because one of the things, and my mother, I think, would do this to the extreme, but my mother was very much, lived her life in this way. Like, for example, when when, when she was looking for an accountant, she literally would say, you know, I need an accountant, and she's driving down, and she's seeing a big billboard, you know, with a, with a number of an accountant and things like that. I don't know that I'd call an accountant from a billboard, but that's not the point. The point is, you begin living your life and knowing that the messages will come to you, then they come. If you go through life thinking that the messages won't come, or not knowing that they will come, they won't come. There's there's a f- famous section in the Talmud that it says whenever you need a message, it says you should often ask children and crazy people, because their ego yeah, isn't like involved. That. And and there are many stories where again somebody was struggling with a decision or a situation, they go out to the street, ask a ch- child, say, "Tell me something," or ask a crazy person, "Tell me something," and they would find the wisdom or the answer that they needed in those words. And I think it's it's not just that that's what, the way it happens. You have to be living your life with this consciousness in order to be receiving those messages, in order to be really open to receive those messages. So it's not just that they're there because they are there, but unless you're living your life with this consciousness, you either won't hear it or or you, you won't be open to receive it. Well, this consciousness really creates the experience of your life and your experience of the people in your life and not the ones that you just choose to be part of your life, but every single person that comes across in whatever way to you. And I, I, and I'm a really curious person, so that really always excites me. But this is a whole new level. Like I, I just, and I think that's why I like to watch things a lot and listen. Like I had a friend, and she loved taking the subway because she was like, "That's where I get all my life experiences." Like she would look at people, she would listen to their conversations, she would see how people were in, interacting in the world, and it was very telling to her what was happening in the world, but also her experience of the world. 
It reminds me, just as an aside, uh, I've mentioned this in the previous podcast, one of my favorite writers is David Sedaris, and he has a new book out of his diaries. And he actually, I heard him speaking about this idea that he actually loves the uncomfortable, terrible situations in life because that gives him his material. Yeah. Right. So he's a really, in that way, he's a very, he goes through life in that way where, where everything, especially, not just also, but especially the horrible moments are great fodder for his inspiration and, 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 and art. And I think that's, I think that's a part of what we're saying, right? First, it begins with being curious about how my life is going to unfold. That that the reality is that probably, I don't want to say the most important messages, but many of the important messages in life are not going to come from the places and, 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 and people that we assign to receive wisdom and direction from, but rather from the other stuff. And unless you're open to that and curious about that, you're going to miss it. But also, I think we, we uh, I think it's complicated the closer you are to somebody really for the most part and that's why it's important to when you're asking for assistance you're asking for a sign you don't assign where it's going right, to come from right which leads me if i can to 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 another it's related to this so when you were looking for for the right surgeon so you know so we asked some of our friends who who are in the know who are the you know the, the best surgeons they could recommend for this type of specific surgery which and, by the way it's not that large of a list because what i and this is interesting too i think people surgeons decide to focus on like a body part a knee a shoulder an ankle and and so it becomes that's like their expertise and so it's a very small list which i kind of like but at first i was like oh my god nobody knows how to do this right but in the end it was actually like they do it over and over and over again for a yes. lifetime right right Makes so sense. so so there were basically it was it, you started with a list probably of four or five and really at four. the end and <laughs> and then it wound up being two and you met the first doctor, and, um, and the uh, day before the surgery was scheduled. Well, well, well. You 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 met him. You liked him. He certainly has a lot of experience. He was highly recommended. Quirky, I Very would say, quirky. is the word. By the way, I looked him up online and on those sites where you can rate doctors, and that was the everybody said he was quirky. <laughs> <laughs> he was quirky. Then uh, we got a recommendation again from somebody who really knows uh, about another, the second uh, another doctor who's you know highly rated and so on and so forth so we went to meet him and the my first surprise and this has nothing to do with this podcast but but i you know you always assume i mean i did that on something like this which is relatively straightforward relatively that the treat or the surgery would be the same you know so it just they would both say okay this is the surgery i'm going to do and and you just have to decide which one do you feel more comfortable doing that same surgery but the surprising thing for i know for you and also for me in that meeting was that he was recommending something drastically different very aggressive much more aggressive and drastically different cutting of the bone i want to go into no, the detail for for our listeners and by the way if i had the choice which i did between terrifying <laughs> and quirky <laughs> you go with quirky <laughs> right but you want to make the right decision no, obviously right you want to make the right decision so aggressive isn't always wrong no, right but it isn't and, necessary always either and i think this is how you made your decision and, and and i certainly supported it in that because as we go through life we know and this is the spiritual truth that with which we live that you want it to be directed by a force greater than you. And really, you want all the people whom you are allowing to influence your life to be directed by a force greater than you. In choosing a doctor, or a surgeon in this case, you chose a doctor, both of them highly recommended, right? So you weren't choosing a quack. Very, They're both uh, highly recommended, highly... And we're very good at what they do. Very good at what they do. But you chose the one that you felt 
had less ego, which allowed more of the light of the creator to enter. Well, because I counted five times, the second doctor said, I am certain, I am absolutely sure, I am guaranteed this will happen if you don't do X, Y, and Z, or if you don't listen to me, or if you... And I was like, mm, that's a lot of sureness going on here. Yeah, which would translate again to ego. Because it wasn't coming from a place. What he was saying was not even helpful, honestly, in this moment. And it wasn't even really relevant in this moment. Right. And we can go, I don't think it's worth going into the, into no, the details. No, no, no. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but I, think, I think that's the point, and it's because it relates very much to everything we're saying until now, is that the way we try to live our lives and the way we try to choose doctors or any anybody else that is going to influence, if you're looking for a spiritual teacher, you want to try to find the person with the least amount of ego, because then you allow the greater forces of this universe to be the ones directing you. Absolutely. So, which leads me, and if you can share, I don't know if you were planning on sharing it later or now, but you said something really beautiful about, well, you, you touched upon it, right? That, that you were going to envision, and you actually visualize that, that whichever surgeon you chose, and you chose the right one, and but it's still, it wasn't going to be him that you're depending on. It wasn't going to be him that's going to be doing the surgery alone. Yes. But rather, you saw the light of the Creator doing the surgery, and it was, yeah, this, this is the doctor that was going to physically manifest that, but it wasn't you're depending on this doctor, but rather on the, on the so light what was, of the Creator. The, what was interesting that happened to me when I spoke to the student who was having the foot surgery, because it wasn't my body in that moment. It wasn't my experience. I didn't have any fear around it, and I didn't have any emotion around it, worry, doubt, right? The outcome, et cetera. I was able just to say, okay, this is what's happening. She's uncomfortable. She's scared. Her body is going to be going through something. And I understand that, right? So then I was able to remove myself from me, right? Just to be spirit with creator. And that's why when I hung up with her, I was like, okay, I got this now. And so right away, I don't know what came over me. I closed my eyes and I really, because until that point, I kept, because I've watched way too much Grey's Anatomy and uh, <laughs> Dr. Death. That's why I don't watch I those watched, type of Which, shows. by the way, they're great shows. Dr. Death was really interesting about this doctor. Oh my God. But I had just seen that one. I actually had been watching both. And, I, you know, I'm never, I, no more of any of that. But so when I was visualizing my surgery in the space of like, which is the right one, which is the right way, et cetera, I kept seeing what I saw on TV. I, I saw the surgeon cutting and I saw the scalpel and I saw the blood and the suction. Like I saw all these things that honestly I don't, you know, and I, you know, I'm very visual and that's how I work creatively. Like you know, everything I think I see. So, so when I made it about her, then I was like, okay. And I then took it to my ankle and I was like, I see light coming in and I see the creator is holding the scalpel and I see my body coming to work with the creator and I see us all as one and connected and just repair and renewal. And I trust that because the creator is doing this, the creator is going to guide me as to which surgeon is going to the best conduit to reveal that light, to reveal that healing. And it changed everything. And for obviously, and we teach this, for a person to be a channel for light and to reveal energy, there needs to be less ego. And so then it just became really clear. And, and then I started to become excited because I really couldn't move around as I need to without the surgery. So I was like, okay, now I've gotten all the complications in my, my mind, right? What I made it complicated about out of the way and I can just fully surrender. And when I did that, you know, of course, it, it, it's still, you know, it's not exciting to do it, 
But when I walked in and every step of the way, I wasn't like overwhelmed. I was like, okay, it's something I need to do. Don't really want to do it, but I know I need to. And, you know, there's been hundreds of times in my life where I've had that thought. So then this was completely doable and achievable. Yeah. I'll sh- share one other, if you don't mind, funny moment is that when we were, went to see the first doctor and he um, was quirky, as, as we said. And in, in conversation, he mentioned that he had previously been a car mechanic. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Now, to this day, we don't know if it was true, if he was joking around. If no, it was I think just, he was right, but what I asked. But it was like, but and so he's probably, I don't know his exact age, he's probably late 50s, early 60s. No, I checked. He's actually oh. um, 68. Oh, no, oh 68? Seven, yeah. Really? Okay. 70. So I was I was way off. And so he, he was like 65, yeah. Uh, so he's clearly been a surgeon at least for 35 years or 40 years. So so he's definitely had a lot of experience, but it was. But you no, were, but I asked him. How I long said, ago were you a mechanic? I said, was this in your youth <laughs> when you were a teenager? Or is this like a career choice? Like you switched sometimes? <laughs> like yesterday. Like, in midlife where you decided you weren't a mechanic and you were going to become a surgeon. And then he kind of just looked at me and didn't answer. Exactly. So we don't really know. <laughs> and also, if you can share, I thought this was um, both sweet and beautiful, but what you shared with the anesthesiologist. So, so we go to meet the anesthesiologist. I love that you find me so entertaining. I do find you very entertaining uh-huh. in many ways. <laughs> so we're sitting with the anesthesiologist before your surgery and there were, there were two types of anesthesia. You can you can choose. He recommended it was one. There was the other, and then anyway. So you, you're being wheeled. You're in the, the operating room, and you're you, you feel the anesthesia. I feel the fluid going up my veins, up my, from my hand, up my arm, and I. And he's behind me, and he's about to put the oxygen mask on. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I turned to him, and I said, "I have four children. Please take care of me." <laughs> I don't know why you think that's so cute. It was just like <laughs> that was very sweet. You know, and uh, I don't know. I think I wanted him to remember that I'm human and that I'm a human being that really deeply loves and is deeply loved. That is absolutely And I true. think that that's what, and then after I said that, I looked up and I asked your parents and my father, who are all above, to watch over me during the surgery. And to that, I fell asleep until <laughs> I woke up. Yes, and that was fun too, but we can say that for another podcast. Um, but I do want to, go back away from me. And um, I think that we don't connect to the immense power we have when we don't accept or believe that we are powerful. And that everything, every moment has a purpose. Right. And we all, I think, consistently underestimate our own power. You know, there's an African proverb that says, if you think you're too small to make a difference, you haven't spent a night with a mosquito. Um. So I think that it's scary, I think, for many of us to hold on to that power, own the power, again, for both good and bad. But there's two things I think I want people to think about when we're talking about this topic is one, we're each, we each have a responsibility in this lifetime to A, recognize and embrace our immense power to positively impact another person's life and, and be aware that we can negatively do that as well. And to appreciate this gift and make sure we take advantage of it as much as possible. Because the danger is when we don't believe how powerful we are, we're careless in the way we behave. And by the way, careless, it's, a, it's a, right, not careless in that we do bad things, that we don't grab the opportunity. And also we don't pay attention to, to what we're doing sometimes that can really, really damage people. Uh, yeah. I'll share something after. So we never know where the tipping scales are in a person's life. One kind word could be all it takes to encourage a person to be courageous, to pursue a dream that terrifies them. And conversely, we don't believe that we're powerful enough to watch our words 
We don't think that they're important. And again, we can be careless. And I remember just to give, there's actually, I wanted to give one example, but there's three that came to mind. I think I'll save the other two for another podcast, but I, the one that, cause the one that really stands out and it really, really affected me for a while. So after we had Josh, he was in the NICU for a couple of weeks and my older sister's friend had just had a baby like that same week. So then my sister had a birthday party. You and I went with David. Josh was in the hospital. I'm like broken at this point. I'm still really struggling with lots of different feelings of shame, of guilt, of fear. Anxiety hadn't kicked in yet, right? <laughs> so we go funny. to this birthday party and uh, and my sister's friend has her baby. I guess he was three weeks old. And she comes over and she hands him to me to hold. And for any woman who knows what it's like to just give birth. Now imagine you just gave birth, you have milk, but you're not feeding your baby. The baby's in the NICU, he can't, it's just, and all of the circumstances. So I really felt, not just broken, but like I, to hold a baby for me felt very healing, right? So the next thing I know, her husband comes rushing over and snatches the baby out of my hands, like that I was like diseased or something. And I remember that just in that moment, I thought, wow, it's really true. Like I should feel ashamed, right? Because I was already in such a dark space. It took me a really long time to get past that. And that that hurt. Like, and of course he didn't know what he was doing. Do you think, yeah, I was gonna ask you, do you know, it doesn't matter. I think he was afraid of evil eye and I think yeah. he didn't know me. And I think he thought that I would somehow like, you know, covet their child in some way. It was wrong, it was mean, it was untrue. It was it was painful and 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 it and it and it hurt me in a way because again I was already so broken about how I felt about myself in that moment. So I think that's it. and I I think I think that is careless, right? I think that at first second he didn't come from fear, which is where he was at, and just thought, "Wow, I know what this woman just gone through, and this is really healing for her," right? I think anybody, if you just looked at it objectively, would think that way. So for me, that was I think that's a really powerful example. Beautiful. It's interesting because uh, this past weekend we had um, friends fly in from from out of town. They were celebrating uh, for their daughter. She was turning twelve. Their bat mitzvah, and we were there together. And um, so there's a ceremony. And I was, as she came up with her father, I was you know sort of share, share, smiling at her and looking at her. And just today, I got a text. I got a text from their parents. How meaningful it was that smile and the attention and again for me it wasn't even that conscious and honestly in retrospect i probably you know i was so happy to receive that text because now it makes me even more aware right the gestures that we that we not just the words that we and the actions that we take the gestures people pay attention and you never know like you said somebody's going through pain some a smile or somebody's going through pain a kindness, frown any kindness and and uh, yeah, it's a, such an important lesson to, because again, you know, I often get excited when we do these podcasts because again, if only a small percentage of our listeners start paying attention to the small influences, you know, thousands upon thousands of people's lives will be better just by the few listeners who change their behavior based on this podcast. So, if I could leave our listeners with one thing to remember, well, two things to remember. <laughs> What you do or don't do matters. And don't be afraid to use your power. And I just really love this story. I think it's really empowering. It's about Roddy Edmond. Do you know him? So most probably haven't heard of him. He was an American master sergeant captured in 1944 during the Battle of the Bulge. 
This humble young man from Knoxville, Tennessee, found himself the highest ranked officer among more than 1,200 American servicemen being held at a POW camp. There was a policy of segregating Jewish POWs, shipping them to labor camps where they had a very low rate of survival. Because of this, Jewish soldiers were wanted to destroy any evidence identifying them as Jewish if they were captured. It was January 27, 1945, when the German camp commander ordered only the Jewish POWs to fall out. Knowing that about 200 of his fellow soldiers were in grave danger, Roddy Edmonds said, we're not going to do that, and instructed all Americans to fall out. All 1,275 soldiers stood at tension in front of their barracks, infuriating the camp commander who shouted at Edmonds, you can't all be Jewish. Edmonds replied, we are all Jews here. At which point the camp commander pointed a gun at Roddy Edmonds' head and said, you will have your Jewish men step forward, I'll shoot you on the spot. Edmonds replied, if you shoot, you'll have to kill all of us and stand for war crimes after we win this war. The camp commander stomped away. Roddy Edmonds never told that story. His son, Chris, only found out about it after his father's death. One of the soldiers there that day sold a house to Richard Nixon. When interviewed for the story about the house sale, Lester Tanner, the previous owner, told the story of how Master Sergeant named Edmonds had saved his life in a POW camp during World War II. Chris Edmonds just happened to read the article. As to why his father never told the story, Chris said, I think he thought it was part of his responsibility, his duty, not only as a soldier of the U.S. Army to protect his men, but also as a Christian man of faith to do the right thing to his fellow man. And I think it's a beautiful story. He didn't even realize, right, his power. So I think that the other thing that happens is that fear steps in the way. It's just easier to step away and not get too involved in things. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. And the, you know, my, my takeaway for our listeners is, is that same idea that there are literally no coincidences. You know, we often speak about that as a big idea. But the person you, you ran around the corner and bumped into, right, the, the person who you met who you didn't want to meet, every moment, every situation, there's something there that you can influence, either in a positive or a negative way. And and but I hope for myself and for our listeners that we are inspired more to make sure that we, when we talk about live a purposeful life, it doesn't just mean you have a big plan and you're going to do the big things. Every moment you can give and receive impactful, lasting, light, wisdom, inspiration in the small things. So I think we're asking everybody who's listening today, think of people who impacted you powerfully and take the time to let them know. And also, see how you can impact other people's lives as well. In the small ways, right? I think, I think it's so yeah, important to In the everyday, focus. mundane, exactly. lollipop kind of moments. Beautiful. So before, uh, first of all, I, I really enjoyed that moment. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> I feel like I was more a listener than a... Uh, than a participant, but I really much, oh, did much I enjoyed hug that. No, I hope you did. As always, remind our listeners, if you are inspired by this podcast, if you get uh, some wisdom out of it, uh, please make sure to support this podcast by sharing with all your friends, going to Apple Podcasts, writing positive reviews, five-star reviews, and continue to send your questions, comments, stories, inspirations to Monica and Michael at Kabbalah.com. Obviously, not today's episode that came from Monica's life, but the rest of the episodes are built <laughs> around the stories and questions that we receive from our listeners. Please continue to send them. So, I'll share um, a review from one of our listeners in, in England. 
So it begins, you will only ever judge because you see it in yourself. That is a quote from our podcast. Listening to your podcast today on judgment, I sat with that thought for ages, and suddenly realized that what I have been judging in my good friend so negatively, these last few months, I have been actually doing to my partner. Mm. So she is judging her friend for doing something, and then after listening to the podcast, she realizes she is actually doing the exact same thing to her partner. Holy moly! I love when people use holy moly. It does not have... I don't think we use holy moly enough. I mean, exactly, and I had not seen it, dot, dot, dot. How does that happen? I am astounded, exclamation mark. I have listened to your podcast only since I found it months ago, and I love it. Thank you so much for your wisdom and dedication. I love your relationship energy, too. It inspires me. Keep up the great work, Chrissy. That is beautiful. Yes. You know, I have to ask you, yes. because I answered it and you did not, when has somebody impacted you negatively? You answer the positive way. Oh, it's funny. Yeah, yeah. So the negative one. I remember when I was in eighth grade. My eighth grade. One of my eighth grade teachers, without going to the again. So my so my parents were were controversial people for many reasons. Many people thought that their opening of this wisdom of Kabbalah to the masses was not the right thing to do. Long story short, and so my teacher in eighth grade was actually an old friend of my father's who had turned against him. And so my entire eighth grade, he treated me terribly, terribly. And I remember, like, there probably wasn't a day that went by that wasn't that something negative, didn't, like he didn't oh, say something negative to me. Life. So I don't know if it, if it has has had a long term impact. I can't but what point was your to one. Thought when he did that to you, just felt terrible. You know, and imagine. And then because what happens is it's not it's not just that he was treating me terribly, then all my friends and classmates started asking me, why is he doing this? Why is he saying that? Why is he, you know, so so it, it had the snowball effect, not just on sort of the negative interaction that I was having with him, but then it made like a weird uh, dynamic within my, for my friends, and created a lot of awkward moments and uncomfortable moments for me. So I don't know if, I don't know if, it, if it's had a, a long-term impact, maybe I'm more sensitive, hopefully towards other people, because of that, but yeah, that's that's one time of many I can think of where where people's behavior uh, in this way I can't imagine he wasn't aware of what he was doing, but whatever uh, that <laughs> that I've experienced in life. Yeah. So, continue to send your questions, comments, stories to Monica and Michael at Kabbalah.com. and I hope. You enjoyed listening to this podcast. I know I did <laughs> as much as we enjoyed recording it. Bye.